Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Traxler and Carolyn Ford to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm Carolyn Ford, as always, joined by Eric Trexler. Hi, Eric. Hi, Carolyn. The best part of my week. Same. And, you know, this is the last episode in Cybersecurity Month. So this one is wrapping up Cybersecurity Month. And I think it's a very fitting topic. So we have our Senior Vice President for Global Governments and Critical Infrastructure, Sean Berg, here to talk about how he has seen the government react and respond to COVID. Welcome back, Sean. Oh, thank you. Great, great to be back. Sean, we're over eight months in, just if you weren't counting. We're eight <laughs> months, and I think I saw a quote yesterday from repurposed from uh, Churchill saying, we're near the end of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I think, you know, certainly as this kicked off back in mid-March, no one in, in, in government certainly, I think, understood the level of disruption and the magnitude of impact that uh, COVID would have on how the government does business. Um, everything from, you know, going to work, working in spaces to, you know, how they process classified work to, you know, how they go to 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 battle um, has, has changed uh over just the last, you know, six, eight months. So I certainly think that uh, organizations within government are getting better at this. They're, you know, they understand the lay of the land. They've, they've made a Herculean effort back in March to shift their workforce from a office workforce to the, uh, a remote workforce and with, within record time, a, a lot of them had plans in place to to be able to support, you know, 5, 10, 15 percent of the workforce moving, but to rapidly go to 100 percent or 80 percent or, you know, some some variants of that um, has been uh, has been a Herculean uh, effort. And getting that done in the time that they did was 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 really amazing. Now, I think. Uh, you know, the first the first phase of this, you know, was probably the first couple of months where it was just get everyone online, right? Just get everyone being able to communicate, um, give them access to email remotely, give them, get them on a, a notebook if they didn't have one um, and, and ensure that, uh, you know, they could, uh, you know, do some level of work. Works fine in the unclassified world, less so in, in, in the classified spaces where you have to have access to a particular facility in order to be able to do to do work. So um, I think the next phase of of this is a couple of things. One, okay, connectivity was the first thing and then comes security and making sure that uh, that the, uh, um, the, the work that they do is is, uh, you know, done in a secure fashion. So they um, nailed connectivity. I mean, I think yeah, I think that's th- okay. there were mistakes, yeah. but most government most government agencies I've been involved with did a pretty good job of getting their people online, whether they had to buy laptops or 
let them use work from home devices, personally owned device. I, I feel like most in, in customers class, in, did a in, good in, job. In, yeah. In what the did they do for the class? environments, different world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, certainly across the DOD, we've seen this, um, with, with, with uh, specific customers and, um, where they've basically had to disperse their workforce and then leverage, uh, you know, commercial solutions for classified or other types of technology to be able to light up um, non-traditional workspaces with access to, to secret networks. So um, that, that is new. Um, that, you know, government is, or the Department of Defense has been doing it for, you know, VIPs um, and senior leaders for some time, but to, to, to do this in a more organized fashion to get more people access to those classified spaces, non-traditional classified access into non, in, in non-traditional uh, spaces is, is something that's new. And I think certainly, you know, government, Department of Defense, intelligence community are all looking at this as a means of, okay, in a, you know, pandemic where you can't aggregate people into confined spaces like SCIFs, you need to look for other means with which people can communicate and collaborate, albeit maybe not on a top secret level, but on a secret level where you can have that, uh, you can disperse your workforce to other, you know, commercial buildings, things like that, and then be able to quickly wire it up for, for, for classified access. That's a good, good means of, of uh, being able to, to, you know, keep the classified communication and, and collaboration going. And I think we'll learn going forward, Carolyn, that this will be the new normal, if you will, if you let me use that overused term, right? When COVID goes away, we will still allow for those types of accesses where it makes sense. Well, and, and that, that's a good so, thing. So my question is, typically something like, well, any process in the government, it seems like it takes a really long time, right? So what you're saying, like getting access to classified happened very quickly. I'm wondering if processes had to change to make that happen quick, I, I assume. Yeah, processes and policy, right? Um, Is that going to be the new normal? Are we going to live under those new processes and policies or will we go back to the old, let's take no, five I, years to do something? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that everyone recognizes the importance of, of you know, resilience within their, their organization and in, in facing threats, right? Whether it's, um, whether it's a, uh, uh, you know, a pandemic like COVID or whether it's a, you know, um, a near peer adversary that's denying, you know, uh, spaces for you, you know, dispersion of a, of a, of a fighting force or workforce is going to be an important means of, of resilience. Um, so I, I do think that we're learning a lot I think government's learning a lot in this, and I think it's only going to help us as we build, you know, better business continuity plans, better resilience across the workforce, new ways of collaboration for sure is probably one of the biggest um, benefits uh, from from this, this uh, you know, this predicament that we're in, where, you know, people are becoming more comfortable collaborating over video, um, you know, and being able to get work done that they didn't feel like was they were able to and you know um, remotely in the past so um, where you can have access to talent right um, across the across the um, nation um, before you know certainly there's you know jobs and roles which you felt I had to be 
done in a particular location that limited the pool of, of talent you could access to, to, to fulfill that. Now that talent, talent, you know, the amount of jobs that are, uh, you know, able to be uh, supported remotely has increased dramatically, and that's going to increase the labor pool and, and going to have benefits from a diversity and, and uh, uh, experience perspective that uh, I don't think, uh, you know, that we're still trying to figure out. So. Pretty, pretty yeah, the, the world changed. If um, our government at the Edge Summit, Carolyn, at the, the end of September, S- Steve Hernandez was in my panel, the CIO of Department of Education. Yeah, he was and my favorite. He, yeah, he, he was awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, great CIO. And he, he made a comment, which I, I have written down here is, uh, you know, I have a physical building. I have gates, guns and guards. I have my land and you have to get access through it. Then cloud happened. And that really rocked most of us back on their heels. And I, I think that flows in with COVID also. You know, COVID was a big move to the cloud, Sean. It was, you know, no longer did gates, guns, and guards matter because all of a sudden you're processing your your work. Everything was done dispersed, right? In a very dispersed manner from people's homes, vacation homes, family, you know, living with their parents, whatever it may be. The world's changed. Definitely. And, and, you know, if you think about the next phase of this, right, that everyone's grappling with first, it was get everybody, you know, online, and then it came to, okay, how do we secure this? Because, you know, the world's changed. Applications are in the cloud, you know, albeit maybe a protected cloud or, or, or something to that effect. But how you access technology remotely is is very different than it once was where everything was routed through you know the the corporate environment and this is a and this is a big you know concern of of, of government so i think as they look at um architectures like zero trust where you're you know you're you're basically doing you know authenticating everyone in um, coming onto the network and the associated privileges and you're doing micro segmentation and and things like that, you know, is becoming the mainstay. You have to do this because you're not going through a traditional routing, you know, through a, co- a corporate network to get access to, to, to resources. You're going directly to directly to the cloud in a lot of instances. And, and therefore, um, you know, security is a, is a major concern. But you know, right. even even you know, I think even as you look at zero trust, right, and and the components of it, there's a lot of traditional components of it. But um, if when you start thinking about okay, people will have access from home office, you know, on either corporate systems or or, or BYOD systems, then you know you have to make sure that you know, yeah, you authenticate somebody as they come onto the network, but how do you continuously? make sure that that person is, is who they are and that they're behaving appropriately based on their role and, and who they are. So behavior analysis or in analytics across, you know, uh, individual, you know, taking a human centric view of, of uh, security becomes even more important. I was just gonna say the the zero trust idea that you're talking about, Sean, it was at the summit. It was your panel, Eric, that I, I don't know yeah, why. See, I mean, we've been a lot ta- of time talking about it. Yeah. yeah. So we, and we've been talking about zero trust forever, like at least 10 years. Right. But for some reason that panel, a light went on in my head and I was like, okay, this is a philosophy. This is something that we need to be doing just across the board. It's not a technology. 
this is a way that we should be doing business. It's a journey, I think Steve said. Yeah. I thought it was my dashing good looks that maybe <laughs> made it the best pa panel session, but sorry, take, it was Steve. Steve I'll take was Steve. awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he, he was really brilliant. Him and, and Mirna going back and forth. Um, but it's, it's a journey. I, I absolutely agree with that. It is a journey, but it's a way of thinking because the work mm -hmm. has dispersed. It has changed. Well, and it seems like it would make it possible too for George Camus and General Brendler talked about cross-domain in the cloud, which is not that far off. And it seems like zero trust is one of those things, but one of those ideas that's really going to make that secure. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when you think about cross-domain and cloud, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're diametrically opposed. Cross-domain is a, is a device that connects various networks at varying levels, right? Um, it is an enabler for, for, for cloud. Um, now that's, uh, cloud service providers are providing clouds at different security levels, whether it's unclassified or, or you know, secret or, or, or higher. Um, you you have to be able to move information between those um, between those environments. You know, a lot of sources for data that needs to go into a, a secret cloud, if you will, you know, will come from from the unclassified arena. Um, or, you know, um, from an unclassified source and therefore need, needs to cross a, uh, um, come across a cross-domain device in order to be able to, to, to go in there. Uh, as well as, you know, if you have a platform, if, if, if you, have, you know, think of Azure or Office 365 that may exist within the, um, a higher security cloud, those aren't connected to the internet. So you had, in order to update um, the platforms and um, the applications that reside on those platforms, you have to leverage cross-domain uh, capabilities in order to do that. So when you think about, you know, the, the importance of, you know, cross-domain capability in the eyes of being able to leverage the full value of cloud at multiple security levels, um, you know, that, that technology is an absolute critical enabler of, of, of success for customers and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think that accessibility to that information, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, is, is key. And and I think, you know, the other thing, as I, as I look at the space, our adversaries have learned here. COVID taught them something, right? We can work from home, but our systems were much less secure the day we decided to do that. We're going to secure them more. But our adversaries learned that, you know, when, you, when we disperse the workforce, they're online and working, but they're also access, accessible. We don't have physical buildings, gates, guns, and guards protecting them Correct. at that point, right? Now it's a home network. It's what's your weakest link? Maybe it's your five-year-old who's watching, I'm dating myself, Barney. I don't, I don't know what five-year-olds watch right now. YouTube. Sean. <laughs> oh, they're on YouTube also? Okay. Yeah. yeah so my, so is my 12 or 13-year-old now. Constant YouTube. So maybe that's an, you know, an accessible path, a vector. Well, and it makes me think of what, you know, we talked to Jason DeShano from Booz Allen a few weeks ago. Remember, he said yeah. that, you know, we got five-year-olds getting on company devices, getting on agency devices. Think about what that's doing. Right. Yeah. And you think about like, um, you know, you're, you're investing a lot in zero trust and the authentication of individuals, but um, how are you ensuring that, you know, the, a, a user's credentials aren't compromised at, at some level. Um, 
And it's a really interesting, and this goes back to kind of, you know, understanding the behavior of the people on your network and what they're supposed to be doing and, and you know, what's appropriate, what's not. So identifying risk within, you know, uh, user groups, that's critically important uh, in, in understanding if you do have, you know, threats or if you do have somebody whose credentials have been compromised, because um, it'll show up that they're doing things that aren't, you know, uh, normal for a, for, for a person like that. But that, I, you know, that risk identification then can be used by other aspects of, of the zero trust architecture, like from a micro segmentation perspective. Hey, if, if you have somebody that pops in at a high risk within the organization, maybe you segment them down as to what they can, what they can access. And, and then from a, from a, you know, credentialing and, and uh, um, identity perspective, maybe you reauthenticate them. So lots of interesting tools and are, are enhanced when you can identify risk with an organization based on, you know, the behavior of individuals. And I would, you know, so many people and organizations get concerned around this saying it's, you know, it's surveillance and, and that, uh, you know, that they're monitoring and uh, they're monitoring me and my, my, what's, you know, what I'm doing on the network. Uh, I view this more as protection, right? They're, they're protecting individuals. You, no one here wants, our credentials to be used in a nefarious way. So I do want, you know, um, to, uh, I do want some level of monitoring, understand if there is, if, if, if my credentials are doing things that shouldn't be, you know, that, you know, that they shouldn't be doing and then identifying that as risk and then, you know, ensuring that, you know, bad things don't happen because of that. So I think that's a, that's something too, that, that, uh, you know, as we think about, enhancing the zero trust architectures and, and uh, leveraging behavioral analytics. It's about protection, not about surveillance. Yeah. And it's, it's not positioned that way at all. No. Like you, you rarely hear it talking about the benefit to the employee, to the agent, the contractor, the user as protection, because you're right, Sean, a police escort is very different than being taken to jail in the backseat of a cruiser, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one's, one's surveillance and, and, and one's uh, monitoring and one's heavy handed, but the other is very freeing. It helps you get somewhere faster and, and safer. Right. Car- Carolyn, wanna, you were saying? Well, I want to go back to something that you mentioned before, Sean. It's a word that keeps coming up, Eric. It came up in our session with General McChrystal. It came up with our, in our session with uh, George Randall about the talent war. And it's that, that word resilience. And so uh, we should do an episode on that. I, I know. Well, I'm curious because you mentioned it a couple of times um, as government agencies were moving to remote and being resilient. What I mean, what does that word mean to you? If you can unpack it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, you know, it means diversity. It means, um, you know, having not having, uh, you know, all your eggs in, in one basket. Let me let me give you an example. You know, I've got. I've got software developers, you know, across the country in multiple sites that do, um, you know, do software development for, for the various uh, uh, platforms that we bring to market. And um, with COVID, we've demonstrated we can do all, you know, all of this development work from remote locations. Um, and what that's allowed us to do is for, you know, when we had needs for very specific types of capability that we couldn't find in a, in a geographic location that where we needed it, uh, we now can, can, can go hire them someplace, someplace else, someplace else in the United States that, that has that, you know, some individual that has that skill 
uh, that capability that we wouldn't be able to target historically based on our operating model um, of, of how we looked at, at, at talent, where we needed them and, and, and how we hired them. To me, that's resilience, right? Where you can, you know, you can have a uh, uh, dispersion of force, right? Where you can, where you can uh, tap talent wherever that talent may, may be and be able to apply the, the best and brightest um, wherever they're located to the problem that you need to solve. Yeah, it's such an important point because when we limit ourselves geographically, that's in our day and age now, that's really archaic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, You want access to this new talent pool out there, this uh, mm-hmm. Gen X or Gen Z um, talent pool, millennial talent pool out there. You have to, you have to find them where they are. All right. Well, as we wrap up, um, where do you see us, I guess, in the next six months, year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't see anything happening in the next six, you know, different in the next six months. We may get, get a, you know, um, early stages of a vaccine that that, uh, you know, we, we, we start to deploy. But, you know, over the next six months, we're not going to have that in any sort of force. So, I don't, you know, I, I don't see things changing too much from where they are right now. Um, over the next six, six months, I think, you know, we'll still, we'll start seeing things change, you know, towards the maybe end of 21. Um, you know, th- that said, our, you know, customers are, you know, are, uh, you know, the government's, you know, moving on, right? They, uh, you know, they're actively um, engaged in, in the pursuit of their, their, their missions. I mean, I think uh, um, we've, we've uh, recognized that this is the, new normal, which I hate that term, but, you know, it's the truth. And, you know, we're, we're thinking, we're innovating and we're coming up with creative and new ways of addressing all the challenges given the current, you know, uh, risk associated with, with COVID. So um, I think it's, we're in this for, for a while longer, for sure. And, and then when we're past it, you know, when the, the vaccine has been fully deployed, I think, you know, we're going to look back at all of this and, and, you know, things will have fundamentally changed and how we do business and how we work and how we um, address, you know, challenges, uh, you know, internally and and abroad. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, COVID has has inextricably changed, you know, how we will do business as a government, as a, as a, you know, more commercial business um, forever. So. But I think on the positive, Sean, we'll, we'll actually celebrate the fact that we can now hire from different parts of the country, right? We have more flexibility about where and when we work. We have additional resiliency, there you go, Carolyn, built into the system so that when it, you know, a, a data center comes offline or an application comes offline in one place, it comes back in the other. I can work from different devices. I think on the positive side, and I fully agree with you, we're looking at at least another, I don't even want to throw dates out there because you're guaranteed to disappoint, but mm-hmm. there will be positive aspects, positive learnings out of this. You know, as, as Matt Moynihan, our CEO has said, you know, when COVID hit, IT did what would have taken years of study and, and hundreds of millions of dollars. And they just did their jobs. They just moved. And that, that we should celebrate. And I think yeah, I mean, we'll I benefit. Think, I, I think that, you know, and, and this is something that everybody needs to do at every single level, 
right? We have to look and, and see what are the good, what are the, the best practices? What are the learnings? What's going to make us more resilient? What's going to make us better, you know, at uh, more efficient and better at doing things? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change, you know, my approach to travel, you know, my approach to, to customer engagement, my approach to partner engagement, for sure. You know, you know, we can do so much with the, with the uh, technology that we have today with um, video conferencing and Zoom and, and Teams and all of those, those different capabilities now that we've, we've yet, you know, we've never had that before. So you can do so much more now that people are comfortable with using it. Couldn't do it before when people weren't comfortable using it because they prefer you to be face-to-face. Now with COVID, you know, we're leveraging this technology in new ways that we've never done. So I'm excited about the innovation. And it's accepted. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's fully accepted. I, I remember and, one day you told me you were in Colorado meetings, you were in Georgia meetings, and I think it was DC, all in the same day. Physically yeah. impossible to have three meetings in three different cities or, or states like that and in I three days. You were in the excited. Same day, right? So, you know, it's, there's so much, we can all get so much more efficient now that people are comfortable with the technology. Well, and so that's, there's, that's the key. Like that yeah. mind shift is huge. I mean, I have so many friends that are developers. I've worked remotely for years. I love it. It's, it reduces the stress of a commute. It, I mean, there's so many great things. Think about how much more productive if you are, that you're not, you're not driving, you know, 12 miles in in 12 miles. I used to spend two and a half hours a day minimum going to and from the office. Exactly. So, but I have, I have a lot of friends who are developers and they've always said, Oh, I could never do that. I would never want to work from home. Guess what? Those developers now, they don't want to go back to the office. <laughs> they, yeah, you, I mean, you, you maybe once you, or twice a week. It would have never, you know, this would have never happened, right? If not forced, right? So exactly, you know, COVID forced us to, to think through all of this stuff. So what additional things can we find that will help enhance our lives, improve productivity, get better at things, you know, that we just haven't realized yet? So I, I'm, you know, pushing everyone in my organization to think differently, think about things that can help help them when we're beyond COVID, because, you know, ultimately, you know, we should be learning from this more ways than just, you know, okay, we can do th- more things over video. There's probably a hundred other things that we can benefit from, from how we're doing business today, you know, during COVID. I'll tell you what, one thing that we're not going to get when we go back to the office, you've got two dogs tearing a, tearing a toy apart behind you, Sean. I'm afraid you're next on that list. Yeah. <laughs> they look hungry. Awesome? You get that companionship all day. I mean, I it love is great. having it's my, awesome. it's great. And to be able to see your kids, you know, intermittently through the day. I mean, I, there's a lot of good things that have come from this. So. Yes. Homeschooling, not being one, but let's wrap on that <laughs> yeah. one, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap on that. And Sean, thank you so much for your time. I, you bet. It's, it's always um, a great session when you join us. I always really enjoy the, the conversation. So thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I look forward to our next session. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks to our listeners. Go hit that like button. Give us a review on your podcast platform and we will hear you next week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 